I realized I love the creative side and I hate the media buying side just because I hated being the bad guy. Like especially around iOS 14.5 when everyone's ad accounts stopped performing as well. Suddenly I used to take credit for all the great stuff that was happening. And now I had to take credit for their business now imploding because Facebook ads aren't working as well. So you can call that unfair or not. It's just the reality of being a media buyer. You have to take credit for when times are good, but you also take the blame when times are bad. This has been a long time coming. Um, we are back. Nick Shackleford, Josh Johnston, my right-hand man, and the one, the only, the social Savannah. And this one, look, this has been something that I've been wanting to do for quite a while because in our, I would say like working life together, Savannah, we, we joined on on a rocket ship together, a common thread. Then I went off and went to start to do the structured. And then Savannah kind of followed in a very similar but yet different footstep and direction and she went on to build a rocket ship around her personal brand which is just something that i have a a lot of respect love and admiration for because i've done something similar and i've seen her do it in a way where she's literally carved out a core niche and industry that now a lot of other people are trying to replicate and kind of build behind so i have to ask sav how are you doing today I'm doing so good. I'm so glad to see you and talk to you. It's been too long, so I'm super stoked to be here. Well, it's it was long, but it's by design because you've been building. And it's it's been a, an interesting place because when we started on, this was Common Thread, I would say 2019, 2020. And this was a time where we were building a, a, a large area of the department, which was the paid social specifically, right? And in that area, you always had very firm and confident beliefs because your title was at the time media buyer, but then it quickly moved into a little bit more of a managerial area. What was that, what was that path that common that you were really like, this is why I actually started to live. Cause I felt like I watched you fully, full, fully commit to the position and start to enjoy it at that time. What was it? Why did you commit? Yeah, I think going from a media buyer to being a manager of media buyers was definitely a, a big shift, but something that I really enjoyed because I really do enjoy the process side. And I think with media buying, there is a lot of process behind it. Like, how do we set up the ad account? Do we do CBO versus non-CBO? What type of creatives? So I really enjoy teaching people repeatable processes, which I think is why when I went off to do my own thing, that really resonated with me. Like, how do I build processes that people can repeat and that are successful? So um, so I, I do like that managerial side of um, owning a business or operating a business. Are there certain certain things that you learned over at Common Thread that really carried over into Social Savannah today? Like, what were some of those 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 couple things? So I'm sure you got you had great managers, you had great leaders over at Common Thread as it was it is a exploding uh, business, especially during the time that you were on there. But what were some of those yeah. best practices that you carried over into your own your own business? Yeah, I mean, it was such a hyper growth time, like back in the day when we would all be in offices together just to be in the same room as Nick and other people who were top media buyers, just being able to like sit there and absorb and see what they're doing, bounce ideas off of. That's something that I will always cherish and really remember all of the things mm. that I've learned there, just throwing ideas off each other, debating. I would say a lot of it was fights between Nick and I were like, we should do this, shouldn't do this. Don't do this, but that's how you get better is having that interaction and, and challenging each other of like, wait, why are you doing this? Or why aren't you doing this? So that's something I, I really do miss. I think Josh, on that end, brother, like when 
when SAV came in, and it, this industry is tough, right? This industry is tough because it's heavily, heavily dominated by by men in this space. And when you have such a strongly opinionated yet accomplished woman come in and be like, actually, this is how it should be done and where it needs to go. It was so accepted and it was something that was so seen that I think Savannah, when she was at Common, because she went from strong media buyer and really, really quick into management and then went back into kind of always buying media and media buying herself into kind of a little bit of a managerial area as well as you started to build out the team. Sav, can you talk to me about that position of going, okay, it's time for me to leave. It's time for me to go kind of go do my thing and balancing I want to media buy, but I also want to build and I also want to be a freelancer, but I don't want to be an agency. Mm -hmm. There's so much right here. Totally. I mean, not to toot your horn, Nick, but you were really an inspiration for me. I mean, watching you have your clients, like your side clients at the time and how that grew into you being like, no, I'm going to do this as an agency. And uh, of course, all your speaking engagements, like I saw you as like, okay, this is someone that's taken everything that he's learned here and is using that to launch his own thing and um, become a public figure. So I kind of saw you as the roadmap of, okay, this is, there's things I need to learn. And once I become proficient, how can I then begin to market myself in and do it myself? And that's how I felt at the time. I was like, well, I feel like I've learned everything I can here. And if I'm able to get my own clients, then what's stopping me from just working with the clients one-on-one? Like when you work in an agency as a media buyer, they're almost like your built-in sales team because you don't have to worry about getting leads. But ultimately, when you're working with them at an agency, the clients, it's really not much different than if you were to be a freelancer. Um, so once I was able to nail down the lead generation side, once I started posting on Twitter, uh, getting interest yeah. in people wanting to work with me, speaking at events like Affiliate World, then it was like, okay, I, I can have a few leads come in and I feel confident enough in my abilities. And once I get those leads, I can... Um, nurture them and 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 do good work for them. So that was the biggest leap was making sure, do I have a solid lead generation source um, before I go off on my own? So in going towards the media buying, uh, freelancer versus agency question, one thing when I started the Social Savannah in the beginning of 2020 is I was like, you know, one thing that I think brands really want is to work directly with an expert. Uh, when they work with agencies, yeah. sometimes you're handed off to someone lower level. Um, and so my whole pitch was, no, if you want to work with an expert, work with me directly. I'm going to be on the calls. I'm going to be in your account. And so that was a way I was able to separate myself from every other media buying agency was trying to position myself as hire an expert directly. And I think this was even before that was really a mainstream idea because yeah. now in 2023, everyone hires freelancers and people have teams all over the world where back then people still wanted to go into an agency office and shake their hand and have conference rooms. So it was a bit of a novel idea at the time. Clearly it's working, right? Like we've seen we've seen the brand that you've been able to build. And most recently you signed a deal with Nike, which is literally like the North Star goal of all agencies yeah. everywhere of just like, I want to work with Nike at one point in time. What was that kind of like being able to sign them? Can you talk a little bit about that process of like the first conversations you had with them? Did they approach you? Was it the other way around? I'm just curious to hear a little bit more about about that specific scenario. You know, it's actually interesting because it, a lot of this is from the TikTok creative exchange. So a bit of background on that. So Earlier this year, I partnered with TikTok directly. 
as like a preferred agency partner in a way. And so what TikTok does... Sav, how did you get this? Was this from your the personal brand building? It was. I work wow. with a wow. brand called Fabletics, and I have a really great relationship with um, the person who runs the paid media there. And she actually referred me to her contact at TikTok and said, hey, like Savannah does great creative. She would be a great agency for this program. So uh, through that connection, they were able to sign me on as like a preferred agency partner. And this has been a huge part of my business in the last six months where essentially TikTok hands me a lead like right in my lap and says, um, here you go. Uh, do make eight ad creatives for them with the goal that they'll use these eight ad creatives to scale their TikTok ad account. So TikTok essentially um, identifies advertisers that they, they think that if they had some additional creatives, they could scale more. And so TikTok structures in a way where if a brand can commit a certain amount of ad spend, then they get these free creatives from me. So that's where Nike came in. And that's where a lot of these bigger wow. brands have come to me, like Kate Spade, Ipsy, Aeropostale, Poshmark. Um, and it's almost been like a little too easy because it's like an email pops up um, and says, oh, you are now working with Nike. And I'm like, I am? <laughs> like there was no conversation, no, no anything. What? It just it just like lands in your lap. Like, okay, here's your project to work on. You have 20 days to make eight creatives. So when oh, I got that like an email. Is that like an email? Yeah, it, it's, it's an, an email e notification that you it's get? It's an email. It's like new project. Oh, my God. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> So that was a really this cool feeling. This is the feeling. coolest story. That is the cool. Yeah, that is, yeah. that's very cool. It it was the easiest, biggest client ever. <laughs> this just goes to show that like so many people, like I literally have this message sitting right here on the screen on LinkedIn, going like, "I'm a small agency. I'm a small team. How do I get clients?" That, that that's literally it. And I, we've been screaming this for so long. You have to create. You have to produce. You have to build. Even even Sav, right before you launched your your course. You, I remember we had a chat. You're like, hey, you partnered with the founder. Would you do it yourself? And I was like, do it yourself. Like, own it, do it, run it, do it, do all your things. Not that I didn't like what I did, but I didn't own that wasn't mine. It, I, did, I couldn't change it. Founder owned that content. And what you've been able to do is is been very, for, for an observer to see someone execute a playbook that I was running that is so unique and different to, to the way you're doing it has been so incredible because you like, I know I'm authority. I know I execute. I know I need to build content. I know I need to have all the branding and everything around it. It was so awesome to see because now it's, if you wanted, let's put it this way. If you wanted to build a large team, if you want, and maybe that is, I hope I, I dig this in there. If you wanted to build a thing that was not just a social Savannah, you could, but you couldn't at the beginning. Would you have done it all over again? Or what would, what, would you kept the name? What would you do different if you added it again? I love being the social Savannah. I will never be an agency, even though I have a team now. It's evolved a bit. So when I started the social yeah. Savannah in 2020, I was a freelance media buyer. And my whole thing was, you want someone you trust pushing the buttons. Because we all know if someone that is an experience is pushing the buttons, they can easily add an extra zero on the budget or mess things up, like, trust me, you're going to have the expert, you're going to have someone who cares that you can call any time of day, like, oh, I'm your girl, I'm your girl. And the whole point of that was like, I can keep a really small client roster. So I usually operated anywhere between like five and 10 clients at a time. But I was almost like an in-house media buyer for them. Like we talked every day, they knew what I was doing, we were in constant contact. So they felt like I was just a part of their team. So 
with the media buying side, I feel like that really started winding down around iOS 14.5 apocalypse days. That's when media buying became not fun for me. And I, I had like a switch because I really enjoyed the creative side of media buying, like talking about ad creatives and I had designers that I trusted that I worked with. So that part always excited me. And every time I was on a client call, it always ended up steering towards creative because that was really the thing that moved the needle in the ad account. So I realized I love the creative side and I hate the media buying side just because I hated being the bad guy, like especially around iOS 14.5 when everyone's ad account stopped performing as well. Suddenly I used to take credit for all the great stuff that was happening. And now I had to take credit for their business now imploding because Facebook ads aren't working as well. So you can call that unfair or not. It's just the reality of being a media buyer. You have to take credit for when times are good, but you also take the blame when times are bad. And I was just kind of tired of being the bad guy. And I, I hated getting on the calls every day and being like, it's not me, it's Facebook. Cause they're always like, no, it's, you need to do something else. Like figure out something. I don't know, Nick, have you seen the same type of response from clients when the whole apocalypse came down? Oh yeah. I mean, we, because we're able to partner with like Triple Whale and the tools that can kind of allow us to explain the narrative, show the real information and data. I would say if what's typical, if you don't have the way of communication or if you don't have the trust and the respect with the current client or the brand or whoever you're, you're, you're operating with, there's a lot of doubt instantly. But it didn't, it didn't stop people from freaking out because it, it wouldn't. And so even, even at this point when I sat there, I remember... I remember we started losing brands. It was almost like I was nervous to open my inbox because it was somebody giving oh, me a no. 30 day notice. And I was going yep. like, dude, we got to do something about this. And what, what we ended up having to do was basically explain to them, Hey, Facebook has been off for quite a while. Here's what's, here's the, here's the actual numbers and reporting from Facebook on the, the largest attribution window that you would have. Here's what it looked like on the one day attribution we had. Here's what your Shopify sales were. So we had to go back and explain to them. It's always been off. Now it's just extremely off. But you you need to take in consideration that there's a lot of this incremental that comes around it. And all this incremental that we've been building from content, from email, from SMS, which now I think pushes us into a great segue. We need to pay the bills. So with a word from our sponsors, one moment. Hey, I also want to tell you guys about uh, our other company called Constant Creative with two Ks. Um, and if you're looking for on-demand editing at any time all around the world at a rate that makes total sense, you guys can find us at constantcreative.com. Personally, when I'm from the outside, which is now awesome because I can actually ask this from the person. From the outside, I basically said, well, she's probably getting way too many clients, which means if she's staying freelancer, she's probably not going to be able to service it herself. And I know she doesn't want to build a team. So it does make sense in managing a bunch of creators, right? It makes sense to have a lot of these people on call that she can kind of get the client coming in. She can run the traffic for the brands that she potentially wants to, and then make sure she just manages the content being created. What does the current structure of the social Savannah look like? I think it was a lot of that too, is like I had to take into account my personal happiness because ultimately I'm the one that's doing this 10 hours a day and it was fun and like ha I was happy when things are going well and clients are doing well but once iOS 14 that bomb dropped I realized that this wasn't making me happy and I the burnout was so much more um prevalent just because you're on 
uh, 10 calls a day where people are mad at you and then 10 happy calls. So it, it kind of got to that point where I was like, okay, I don't think I want to continue being a media buyer in this environment, even though things have gotten better, like you said, with Triple Whale. And now that we have more ways to explain the data, um, things are better now. But in the time, I, I did lean into that. I was like, how can I continue to support clients? I still really care about um, ad accounts and being in there, but I don't want to be the person pushing the buttons, but I do like the creative side. So that's when I really started leaning into hiring creators on my team, hiring editors, and approaching brands and saying, hey, I'm, I can't do your media buying anymore. So it actually started my current clients that I had. I was like, hey, I don't think that this is for me. Uh, I, I have some great referrals of other agencies or people that you can work with for media buying, but I would love to continue to support you on the creative side because that's where I think post iOS 14, it's gonna make the biggest difference if we can get you good creatives. So I started with just hiring a couple of creators. Yeah, for sure, it is still true. It, even today, the biggest conversations in ad accounts is all around creatives. So I started building up my team of creators, uh, my team of editors, and that's where I started putting all my brain power to is how can I analyze the data in the ad accounts, show the clients that implementing these new creatives is increasing their revenue um, and that it's profitable. And so that's that kind of just took off from there. And then in terms of the personal brand side, it's so much fun sharing creatives on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram. Everyone can get behind sharing and commenting on a great ad and, and talking about why they love it. So it's an infinite content stream because every time I make new ads, I post it on Twitter, get feedback, I get shares from that, and I get new clients from people seeing it on Twitter and LinkedIn. So that's worked out really well for me. I'm curious how you're kind of like balancing that capacity because clearly the team isn't extremely large you don't really see much potential in scaling right how are you taking on more clients how are you vetting clients to like like who you're taking versus who you're not taking uh and allocating that workload to to a little bit smaller team like how does that work for you guys i will never be able to scale like to over 100 clients like right now i'm at around 50 clients i think as long as i stay around 50 that's my sweet spot when, like I said, when I was doing media buying, it was only 10 clients like I work on at a time. So now that I'm just doing creatives and some TikTok stuff, now it's 50, which seems like a ton, but I'm able to manage it because a lot of time and effort has gone into training the creators and the editors. So the way that my agency works is a bit different. So I don't just work with random influencers and creators every week. I actually work with people who work, creators who work with me for months, if not years on end. So I'm able to give them training each week about, okay, here's how I need you to film. This is what I need you to say. And so as I've developed these relationships with creators over the years, it's gotten easier for them to understand what I need. Um, and I don't have to give them as much direction. So training the creators and editors have been a really big part of my process over the last two years to where now I'm able to take on more clients because I, I feel like I have that system down. Like when I talk to the creator, they know exactly what I need. The editor knows exactly the style that I like. So now that that works out of the way, it's actually a lot easier for me just to take on a new client and plug them into the existing system. I, I think this is probably one of the most interesting ways of structuring it because right when you talked about launching a course while you're kind of getting creators, while you're running paid traffic, how did this play into the overall strategy? Were you specific in going, I'm going to run paid media and then I'm going to build out the content arm and then I know I need to have some sort of digital product so that you have all your systems, because right now, what what is awesome to see, 
you are building the business that you want to so that you can live the life that you want to live. And that, that to me is something that I would love to hear a little bit about, especially as you just heavily invested in a beautiful horse. I didn't even know that was a thing that you were about, but now I'm, I'm, I'm like drawn into where's social Savannah <laughs> sharing any sort of content of this horse, which is kind of mind blowing. Yeah. I think that's a part of it is like building the, the life that you want. And I think part of it, getting away from the media buying, being able to scale up the creators and the editors to where I'm not as involved in the day to day has allowed me to have free time to pursue passions like horseback riding and um, the equestrian competitions that I do. So every time I go out and ride the horses in the morning, I come back, I'm fresh, I'm ready to dive into emails, I'm ready to get on calls because I have that reset time. So I think courses is a very um, interesting path. And it's something that I saw um, a gap in the market for, especially for TikTok, because TikTok ads were starting to explode. Everyone wanted to know what to do, but not a lot of good information was out there. And because I had a lot of experience with TikTok ads, it made sense to do it. So that was a really successful venture. And I hope I can launch more courses this year. Um, one of them I'm working on is like a UGC creator bootcamp. So there's all these new UGC creators out there. I'm like, hey, you need to go through my bootcamp, learn how to be a good creator. How do you do your contracts? How do you make sure you don't get sued? How do you market yourself? So I have the course finished. I just need to come up with a landing page. So I've been sleeping on that for like the last three months of just working on the landing page. What was interesting on the course side is that that literally feeds right into what your offer is, which is you need more creators. You need a variety of creators for all different types of brands, which just kind of makes it a little bit smoother for you to kind of build around this. Did Was there ever a time, and I have to ask this, was there ever a time when you had you going like, Oh wow! I need a I need a partner to go build this agency out, right? Or you're like, no, I am I'm always going to stick past with the uh, the individual thing of me running majority of the things. One of the reasons that I was so gun hell about being a freelancer is because there's already so many great agencies out there, but there's not a lot of great freelancers or talent out there marketing themselves. So I think that's something that really set me apart from agencies. Is people were like, oh no, I don't want to hire an agency, and I don't know who I'm going to work with at the end of the day. Like, I want to work with Savannah. Like, I see Savannah on the videos. I listen to her podcasts. I watch her on Instagram. Like, I really build that personal connection with the clients. And even today, like, every time a client talks to me, they're talking to me directly. They're emailing me. They're calling me. And then they're seeing all my content on Instagram and Twitter. So they feel like they're getting the best for their money because they're working with the expert. And I think maybe part of it is that they want to work with me directly because they've gotten to know me. Like a lot of clients, when they come to me, they say, I've watched all your YouTube videos. I've been following you on Twitter for over a year. I love your content. They're coming in with that base. And then when they talk to me on the phone for the first time, they will often say like, oh, I feel like I already know you because I, I just watched your course. I just went through this. So that's been a big part of it is I don't think that I could run a successful agency because my business relies on that one-on-one -on -one connection of them wanting to work with me and I'm continuing to market not my agency I'm marketing myself and my own knowledge I've been having to figure out that balance right like if you look at how structure's been able to build it's heavily been built off the back of uh, Shaq Chase Tim there's a lot of these personal brand builds but what we're and it kind of goes back to a couple other people that we've talked to on the season so far is like what what type of business are you building are you building a business to be bought? Are you building a business to serve the life that you want to live? What are you building and how are you building it? And as we, even right now, as we're looking to build 
the structure name or we're looking to build a constant name that's not necessarily very Nick or Chase dependent. It's a conscious decision, especially as you're, you're a younger agency, you're a smaller agency. Most people that are listening to this, you're looking how many, how should I build it? Should I build it with just my name? It's easier to close clients. It's easier to keep the relationship and it's easier to retain because I'm doing it. And I, and I think you'll agree to that. But when it's time to move on, you you can't necessarily do it or, or it's going to take a lot of work in building up that other thing. Were you Were you very focused on that when that happened? It sounds like you were. Definitely. I've made a conscious decision that if I was to ever get in a car accident or get sick or if I died, the social savannah will die with it. Like I am the business and that's how it is. And it's something that can never be sold because it's me. It's me on the call. It's me doing the tweets. It's me marketing myself. It's me talking to all the clients every day. So I think it's figuring out what's going to make you happy. I don't need to have like a million billion dollar business, whatever it is. Um, to support my lifestyle. I live in Vegas. It's pretty chill out here. I have my horse. Um, I don't go on a lot of vacations and stuff. So I think it's figuring out, okay, what income do I need to support um, the lifestyle I want? Um, and I live in a pretty affordable place. So it's not something where I need to like build teams and build um, a, a big agency to support that. Where at, rather, I would rather have a business I completely own. Uh, I'm involved with every day but I don't need to be doing it 10 hours a day. I can do it for four or five hours a day and then go ride my horse and go to the gym and um, go hang out with a dog, go in the sauna. Like I'm I'm really trying to build a lifestyle, I guess. Um, so I guess it's just depending on what your goal is, is, is how you build your business. It's an extremely refreshing approach because being in the, the bro dude agency space, everyone is scaled to the moon. Let's go for an acquisition. Yep. Let's just, let's go for all of it. Like, let's build the next $100 million business. And so for me, like, (laughs) I I love hearing that there's someone out there that is taking the opposite approach of like, hey, I, there's a lifestyle that I'm wanting to live. And this is plenty to be able to afford that lifestyle and, and continue to create the life that I want, not what other people are influencing on me. So hats off to you. I, I absolutely love that approach. Thank you. And I think as as time goes on, maybe what I offer will change. Like right now, I'm really into the creative side. I have a great system for the creatives, but I'm thinking maybe years down the line, maybe I do more coaching or courses, um, something that's even more hands-off. But um, those are the things I'm thinking about too. And I think as long as I can continue to evolve to what the market's asking for and build a system that is easy to manage and I keep it small and I can be the face of the business, then I think I'll, I'll be in good shape. But I, I am thinking about, okay, in the future, maybe I do need to lean more into the courses or the educational side. Uh, those are things I'm, I'm thinking about as well. It's It's been funny to watch the specificness that you've done. Like you've, you've built in a way where you're like, you don't really compete with too many people. People can partner with you. People can refer you. You can refer other ways. What That had to been part of the overall strategy too, because I think the more brands that, and sorry, the more agencies that they think, who can I partner with? How can I get deal flow for partnerships or how many I can refer them out? That has to be one of the main lead sources or partnership sources that you have right now, yeah? I do have a few agencies that that will give me leads, but honestly, a lot of it comes from Twitter brands directly. Or like I mentioned, the TikTok partnership has been huge for me Yeah. Um, to where they're like, okay, we have identified that Savannah can make good ads and here's an advertiser that if they had some better ads, we think they can spend more on TikTok. 
So I think partnerships like TikTok has been a huge part of uh, my growth. And yeah, I hope other agencies can see me as maybe not a competitor, but maybe an asset. And a few of them have where they're like, hey, we'll handle the media buying. We're going to handle your email, everything else. But we know Savannah does the best UGC and we don't want to do that or we don't have the system for that. So I do have a few agencies that will consistently send me clients. But a lot of them are just brands direct from Twitter saying, hey, I saw your ad. I watched you on YouTube. Um, I love your stuff. Um, now LinkedIn is, is blowing up. I'm seeing Nick every day on my LinkedIn feed. Nick and Chase are, are killing the game on on LinkedIn. So I'm trying to get more active there um, so that I can continue to get in front of more brands. When you go into creating for yourself, you have a great system for everybody else, but is your system of creating for yourself pretty good too? I'm very curious. No, I would say that I purely rely off of like jealousy to make content. Like if I see Chase posting, I'm like, oh crap, I got to post. <laughs> so it's really, um, Same. I see other... <laughs> I see other creators or other agencies, I see them consistently post and it's like, crap, I need to get on their level. So I thank you, Nick and Chase for um, kicking me in the butt every day to do that. Um, if I didn't have, if I didn't follow all of you guys, I probably wouldn't do it. But I see you guys post. I'm like, oh, they got a thousand likes. Like, I'm going to come up with my own thing. So that's my system is um, je healthy jealousy of other people's success on LinkedIn and Twitter and like how can I one up their thread I think we're all still chasing chase you know oh, uh, we, we everyone's will all ch be chasing, chasing chase forever oh forever <laughs> dude I so chase is one of my absolute best best literally best friends and when you're because we're in the chat we're in a conversation he just broke the other day he broke a hundred thousand followers on LinkedIn amazing hundred thousand followers on LinkedIn which is something that we would never have talked about in the life of our existence. I was never like, oh yeah, I can't wait to go to LinkedIn today. That's, <laughs> that's a sentence I'm not saying. I'm not, I wasn't saying that. And then he, he, I started seeing in the channel, like, please, I'm like, two, three, four, like, what well, I was like, what are you doing, dude? And he goes, oh, you know, I'm just making, I'm taking this from Twitter posts and rewriting it. I'm using ChatGPT. And I'm sitting there going, this is, you're insane. And so we have a, like a DM list, right? So he sends me a message and every day he's like, can you get this one? Can you get this one? Can you get this one? And I was like, dude, that talk about jealousy. I get it like four different times. And if you follow <laughs> him on all the channels, like I do, it's funny. Shanice used to tell me, she was, she sent me a message. It was like maybe early last year. She goes, do you think Chase would be mad if I unfollowed him? And I go, first off, no, but why are you asking? He goes, well, you know, I'm getting a message from him. On Facebook, I'm getting a message from him on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm all over. I'm like, yeah, you can unfollow him. He does not need you in his audience. But it, it, <laughs> it is something to say. People forget that top of mind. There's a reason why we run ads, right? We all run ads. And I posted this the other day. We all run ads and we all share content because if you are not practicing what it is that you're actually selling, what are you selling? Like, if you can't sell yourself, if you can't create for yourself, if you can't understand what's happening in the market, how are you going to convince someone to write a five, 10, 15, 20, a hundred thousand dollar check for you and build with you? It's really difficult to, for you to stand up and be, Hey, I, I can, I can focus on, and I know the argument. The argument is I'm focused on my business or I'm focused on my client's business. I'm not focused on my business. I don't need business. And they go, sure, maybe to a degree, but that only gets you so far. You have to build for yourself. And especially as a creator, the, the coolest thing about content, and I know this because of the constant creative side. The coolest thing is that we always have something to share. It just is up to us to take the time to do an ad breakdown or to take the time to share this and talk about it 
And that process is something that we all have to take so serious, especially coming into 2023, like whatever we're about to go through, whatever about to happen, the one thing that I'm not going to be able to take away, which I know you both, Josh and Savannah, believe in, is the personal brand and reputation that we've been building for the last couple of years. Totally. And so for anything in 2023, I, I believe that it really is going to be LinkedIn and it really is going to be Twitter. And I would even say that for you, Seb, I think you could post more. I think you could do more stuff. I could. And you know, I have a daily task now that says like post and I have to check it off every day. So that's helps me to not be complacent actually having it on my task list every day. Um, I, I do think I could post more and I would make the argument of, oh, I'm, you know, spending too much time with my clients to post more. So I totally get that. And I've gone through phases where I didn't post for weeks because I was just so heavy into client work. But now that I have my daily task to post, I something is better than nothing. It doesn't have to be the next genius thread or novel idea. I think that's something that I've had to get over is like not every post needs to be a winner like if you spend an hour on a post that flops like why not just spend 10 minutes and get something out there then putting it off and saying oh i won't do it because it's going to take me an hour to do like make it a shorter time period and don't worry about the result as much thank you for prompting this because i was reading both on linkedin and twitter people are trying to talk about what does the creator economy look like what does creation for brands start to look like and as someone that employs a lot of creators and there's a lot of edits. Do you have thoughts on what you think 2023 will look like, especially from a creator standpoint? I think it's going to be a rough year to be a creator. And I say that because I think the market is so saturated with creators now. I go on oh, wow. Twitter, LinkedIn. I see so many UGC creators, um, which is great, but I feel like they almost missed the boat. Like that boat has sailed of like being able to go on Twitter and start posting your UGC and get brands to talk to you just because it's so saturated. So I think that how I'm positioning myself to stand out is really in like the quality of the edits, the hooks, like doing things Good. that someone can't do, just picking up their phone. Like we do a lot of post-production um, stuff with the ads and coming up with like a really good script and the, and the great yeah. lighting. So we do it to a much like higher degree, I would say, in terms of the quality. So that's how we stand out from like every other creator just picking up their phone and and shooting stuff. But that's, I think it is going to be a rough year to be a creator just because of the competition is insane. And I think that it might just be a race to the bottom with UGC creators. Like, okay, I'll do it for 100. All right, I'll do it for 50. I'll do it for 25. So that's something that I'm I'm predicting. Do you think that with the rise of AI, do you think it affects you guys at all right now? I have my biased opinion that I'm going to respond after you for sure. It might. I mean, it doesn't today. So as of today, I still have a job, but maybe in the future, it's a AI generated face and they know exactly where to put the TikTok text and do the transition and the animation just like we do. So if a robot can do that, kudos to them. Um, and then I'll, I'll figure out the next thing. But, um, but I, you know, I think we're still far away from I that. I think you're good. I think we're still far exactly. away, hopefully. <laughs> I think there's no way especially with so much of this talk is we we live in this very small ecosystem of very cutting edge. Like we're, we're working with a lot of brands. Hey, like whatever we can do to get uh, revenue up, whatever tool you guys can use, whatever strategy you can use. We're always in this really small bubble of people that are executing very quickly for brands that need the rep. When you talk to anybody else, anybody else outside of our industry or market, it's still icky, right? It's still, oh, I'm not, I'm uncomfortable with this AI. I'm uncomfortable with 
anything that is a little bit under hard to understand. And so I don't think it's going to catch us on this area as fast as it is because people are still going to respond to realness. And so you can't AI a human. You can yes. do close with some of these like deep fakes. I know. I'm not saying that you can't do it yet. But in terms of deciphering whether it's real or not real, I don't think it, I don't think we're going to get hit. It's got to be at least three years. I think so. I think it's years down the line. And like you said, authenticity, that's all that what we do is for UGC. Like how can we do an authentic review, being excited about it, sharing your testimonial? I think that it's it's still too far away for AI. And also the creativity part. Like all AI does is take inputs and and then see what's like the most common variables to give an output. But if you're coming up with a novel ad idea or a hook that's never been done before um, or something that's going to stop a scroll that's not common, I think that this AI revolution may challenge marketers in the best way to really think outside the box, not just copy what other brands are doing because AI is just going to copy what other brands are doing. But how can you come right. up with the next big thing? What's something that hasn't been tested yet? So I think that that creativity will always be needed um, and then AI will copy it once it blows up, but be that person that comes up with the novel idea. As we kind of like wrap up this this specific episode, um, you know, I think something that, that Shaq does a really good job of uh, is always bringing, you know, one top top tier people onto this podcast. Um, but what we're starting to see is this emergence of more female entrepreneurs, more females in the marketing space. I'm just curious, like, is there anyone that is like coming to top of mind for you that you're like, man, like watch this person, this female entrepreneur, Ooh. this female marketer in the space right now that you're just like, this person is is doing something special. For sure. So my friend Dara Denny, who I also have a podcast with, so a little shameless plug there. Um, she has a really great YouTube channel of sharing paid social tactics, really cutting edge in terms of Facebook, media buying, ad creative strategies. So whenever anyone asks me, like, hey, I want to learn about elite media buying, what course do I buy? I say, nah, just go to her YouTube. She'll explain it all. So Let's go. Um, she's she's someone that I think will continue to build as like a big prominent female in this space. When you talk about creating content and creating a name for yourself, she she's right there with you on that, right? On the production quality, on the consistency quality, on on content where a lot of people are looking for a specific, like what does an ad account build look like at 5,000? What does an ad account look like at 500? Like the, the way that she writes, it's so market friendly. And I always find it interesting for her to balance the work at thesis versus the work at Dara, like Dara, what is, who is who? And I, and I, and I look, we've all gone through that. You went through it. I went through it. There's a time where, and I remember what, what they asked was like, is it you and the company or is it the, you, the company? And once you make that decision, you got to go all in on it. And it's something that I'm, I'm excited to chat with her on when I get on this. But Sav, I'm very grateful for your time. Very grateful for where can we find you? What do you have to talk about? Anything interesting that the audience can, can grab from you? Of course, you can find me on Twitter. That's where I, I'm sharing the most content. That's social underscore Savannah. I am on Instagram at the social Savannah. LinkedIn, Savannah Sanchez. Uh, my my website is thesocialsavannah.com. Awesome. Thank you guys. And you all know what to do. If you have any recommendations on who you'd like for us to interview or talk with, uh, go ahead and drop that below. You guys can get us on Apple. You guys can get us on uh, to Spotify and anywhere else you guys are consuming. And if you're podcast content, we'll see you on the next one.